You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Hebrews 2.14 says that Satan holds the power of death. I don't totally understand that, but that's what it says. Satan holds the power of death over us. Here's a great scripture. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Sin isn't always intentional. People sometimes disobey God out of ignorance of his commands. Sometimes they even think that they're doing the right thing. The people that stood around mocking Jesus and demanding his crucifixion had been deceived to think that they were killing a blasphemer. As Pastor Danny will clarify in today's message, simple ignorance doesn't justify sin. But thankfully, our God is extremely gracious. And even as he hung on the cross, Jesus had compassion for his murderers. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Numbers, chapter 35, as he begins his message, A Place of Refuge. Numbers chapter 35. And when you find Numbers chapter 35, put a marker there and then go to the New Testament and find Luke chapter 24. So Numbers 35 and Luke 24. The last, uh, well, beginning in verse 13 of Luke 24, there are two of Jesus' disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I don't want to assume everybody knows the story, but uh, they're walking along, they're talking about all the things that have happened. And of course, all the disciples are perplexed because Jesus went to the cross and they never, they never got that. They never understood that. They never got resurrection. Uh, and so uh, they're talking about it and <clears throat> Jesus uh, gets in a conversation with them, but he's somehow disguised. They don't recognize him uh, as Jesus. He's somehow cloaked, if you will, and uh, God's God. He can do that kind of thing. So they came, uh, verse 23, didn't find his body. They're telling him about what happened. They didn't find Jesus' body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels talking about the women at the tomb who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so they're telling Jesus obviously about stuff he already knows. Uh, And he said to them, uh, how foolish you are, verse 25, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Old Testament books, they didn't have the New Testament at this point, obviously, and all the prophets, he explained to them 
what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Well, they get to their destination and uh, Jesus is gonna keep walking. They talk him into going inside with them. And it says, uh, verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. I think that's kind of humorous. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The last part of the chapter, Jesus appears to uh, the disciples. He walks through the wall, uh, says, peace be with you. Right, somebody just walked through a wall, peace be with me. Uh, they were startled and frightened, verse 13, thought they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. We said this. He showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. I mean, they just, their emotions that are going on here, you just can't imagine. And he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Another scripture says in the volume of the book, it is written of me, Christ. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. That's what we want. Man, this is good stuff. So if you don't enjoy it, you got a problem. Numbers 35 is one of the reasons I love studying and meditating on the word of God. The wealth of teaching in this one chapter is absolutely tremendous. I got fresh revelation today, but you will not glean it uh, with just a casual reading. It's not there with just a casual reading. It's came by comparing scripture with scripture, as well as chewing thoroughly on the nuggets of truth that lay beneath the surface of the text. Chapter 35, Numbers, verse one. On the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to give the Levites towns to live in from the inheritance the Israelites will possess and give them pasture lands around the towns, that towns. Then they will have towns to live in and pasture lands for their cattle, flocks, and all the other livestock. The pasture lands around the towns that you give the Levites will extend uh, out 1,500 feet from the town wall. Outside the town, measure 3,000 feet on the east side, 3,000 on the south, 3,000 on the west, 3,000 on the north, with the town in the center. They will have this area as pasture land for the towns. Verse six, six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge to which a person who has killed someone may flee. In addition, give them 42 other towns. In all, you must give the Levites 48 towns together with their pasture lands. The towns you give the Levites from the land the Israelites possess are to be given in proportion to the inheritance of each tribe. Take many towns from a tribe that has many, but few from one that has few. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. 
They will be places of refuge from the avenger so that a person accused of murder may not die before he stands trial before the assembly. The idea is uh, you got someplace to go before uh, a family relative whom you killed kills you. These six towns you give will be your cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites, aliens, that's not from another planet, it just means they're from not Israelites, they're from another country, and any other people living among them so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee there. And then we got some more detail. We just got to read through it. If a man strikes someone with an iron object so that he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if anyone has a stone in his hand that could kill and he strikes someone so that he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if anyone has a wooden object in his hand that could kill and he hits someone so that he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. If anyone with malice or forethought shoves another or throws something at him intentionally so that he dies, or if on hostility he hits him with his fist so that he dies, that's a pretty good punch. That person shall be put to death. He's a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if without hostility someone suddenly shoves another or throws something at him unintentionally, or without seeing him, drops a stone on him that could kill him, and he dies. Then since he was not his enemy, and he did not intend to harm him, the assembly must judge between him and the avenger of blood according to these regulations. The assembly must protect the one accused of murder from the avenger of blood, send him back to the city of refuge to which he fled. He must stay there, interesting, note this. He must stay there until the death of the high priest who is anointed with the holy oil. I underline that. But if the accused ever goes outside the limits of the city of refuge to which he has fled and the avenger of blood finds him outside the city, the avenger of blood may kill the accused and without being guilty of murder. The accused must stay in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. There it is again. Only after the death of the high priest may he return to his property. These are to be legal requirements for you throughout the generations to come wherever you live. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Do not accept a ransom for the life of a murderer who deserves to die. He must surely be put to death. Do not accept a ransom for anyone who has fled to a city of refuge and so allow him to go back and live on his own before the death of the high priest. That's the fourth time we heard that one. Do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land and atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed except by the blood of the one who shed it. Do not defile the land where you live and where I dwell for I the Lord dwell among the Israelites. Big chapter. I'm going to deal with the first thing, get it out of the way, because it just, it is what it is. Um, I believe in capital punishment. I believe the Bible supports capital punishment. Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God uh, has God made man. Some people say, well, that's Old Testament, and this is Old Testament. I give you that. Romans 13, listen to this, verse 3, for rulers hold no terror 
for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. <clears throat> do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right and he'll commend you. For he's God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. That's New Testament. The sword uh, is an instrument of death, not just a slap on the hand. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. I'm just going to move on from this, but um, you know, if I were doing a message just on that emphasis, I'd have to share with you uh, my disappointment in the country I live in and our government and our justice system. Um, Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. That's why I think it's just, it's crazy to have somebody uh, that's killed someone or killed more than one person and they just sit on death row uh, for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I think, I, I believe in capital punishment because I believe the Bible supports capital punishment. You say, that's the deep insight in the revelation you got today? No, 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 thank God, that's not it. A refuge is a, a, refuge is a place of shelter or protection. That's the emphasis of the chapter. Cities of refuge, place of shelter or protection. Now, let me say quickly too, uh, God has provided uh, places of refuge for us in the New Testament. Uh, I believe the church is a place of refuge. That's why when you get to 1 Corinthians 5 and Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and there's a fellow in the Corinthian church, professing believer, whether he's saved or not, I don't know. It, it seems that he is, but, but he's gotten involved sexually with his father's wife. Obviously not his mother. <clears throat> and nobody's done anything about it. No consequences. And uh, he's just going on with it. And Paul says, uh, just as if I was with you, I'm with you there in spirit. You, you put that person out of the fellowship, hand him over to Satan so that the sinful nature will be destroyed. And the idea is that's, that's, that's getting him out of the place of refuge and protection and giving him to Satan. And hopefully uh, that'll do the job. He'll get right. He'll get right. The church is a place of refuge. Uh, fellowship with other believers is a refuge. That's why uh, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And the idea is you throw the grain up, the wind blows the chaff away, and the true grain falls down together. And what Satan wanted to do with Peter is get him out of real uh, intimate relationship with other strong believers. He wanted to get him out of fellowship. And so fellowship with other believers is a refuge. I love Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Court of three strands is not easily or quickly broken. Now, God is our ultimate refuge. Uh, I want you to say these with me. Come on, get involved with me tonight, all right? <clears throat> say this one. This is from Psalm 9, verse 9. Ready? The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. That's a great verse. Great verse. Psalm 46, say this one with me. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I love that one too. Listen to this one, Psalm 57, uh, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. 
David wrote that one when he was running from King Saul, running for his life. Then Psalm 59, say this one. Psalm 59, verse 16, I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 61, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. For you've been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Now, we place ourselves in peril uh, when we, one, go outside the boundaries of God's provision for refuge. I was going to turn to it. I don't think I'm going to turn to it, but First Kings chapter 2, King Solomon takes the throne after uh, his father David, and while David was on the throne, uh, when Absalom, his son, rebelled against him, and a guy named Shimei uh, went with Absalom, and as David is running for his life, basically from his son Absalom, and he's leaving Jerusalem, this guy named Shimei begins to curse David and uh, basically throw dirt and rocks on him and curse him. And one of David's mighty men says, let me take his head off. David says, no, maybe God wants him to curse me. God will take care of him. Well, after Solomon takes the throne, uh, Shimei is still around, and um, <laughs> Solomon says, look, I, I know what you did, and I'll never forget what you did to my dad. I'll never forget that. And God hasn't forgotten that. But here's the deal. We'll show you some grace. Uh, but you got to stay in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. You ever leave Jerusalem? You ever leave Jerusalem? You're hid. You're done. Well, for years, he stayed in Jerusalem. And then he gets some of his slaves stolen. And so he goes to get them back. Solomon hears about it, calls him before him and says, didn't I tell you to stay in Jerusalem? He says, yeah, I guess you did. Well, <laughs> and then Solomon commanded for him to be executed because he went outside the boundaries of God's provision. Place ourselves in peril when we go outside the boundaries. We also place ourselves in peril when we ignore or neglect God's provision of refuge. Now, here's where we take a nice turn. Our greatest need of refuge, God's provided, our greatest need of refuge is salvation. We need a place to hide. We need shelter um, from sin, sin. Did you know it's our sin collectively, the sin of the world that put Jesus on the cross? Anybody not know that? I guess I'm going to assume we all know that. It's our sin collectively, mankind's sin. They put Jesus on the cross. In Acts chapter three, well, Peter is, is preaching to the crowd. And let me just read you one section of what he says. Acts chapter three, verse 14. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you, Barabbas. You kill the author of life, but God, God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong, guy that was just healed. Uh, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has give, given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Verse 17 is what I want you to really hear. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. You acted in ignorance. That fits with Numbers 35. You killed somebody unintentionally. What did Jesus pray there on the cross before he died? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Hebrews 2.14 says that Satan holds the power of death. 
I don't totally understand that, but that's what it says. Satan holds the power of death over us. Here's a great scripture. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. First Corinthians 15, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The gates of the cities of refuge were never to be closed. Deuteronomy 19.3, God uh, commanded there for the Israelites to make sure they built roads to each city of refuge. According to the rabbis, as uh, Merrill Unger said, in order to aid the fugitive, it was the business of the Sanhedrin, that was the Supreme Court, to keep the roads leading to the cities of refuge in the best possible repair. If there were hills that impeded somebody's travel, they leveled them. If there was a river, in order that you not have to swim across, they built a bridge. The road itself to every city of refuge, according to the rabbis, was to be at least 32 cubits wide. That's 48 feet. That's a pretty wide road, especially in the ancient world. Luke chapter 3, talking about John the Baptist. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough ways made smooth. Here are the cities of refuge. Kadesh, Golan, Ramoth, Shechem, Bezer, and Hebron. Joshua chapter 20. Joshua chapter 20, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate, designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of these cities, he is to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city, give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused because he killed his neighbor unintentionally and without malice or forethought. He is to stay in that city until he stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then he may go back to his own home in the town from which he fled. He's free. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, Kiriath Arba, that was later changed to Hebron, that's the name, in the hill country of Judah. On the east side of the Jordan of Jericho, they designated Bezer in the desert on the plateau in the, reign of, uh, in the, in the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. Thank you. 
That's all we have for today on The Living Word. If you have any questions for us about what you heard from Pastor Danny's study in Numbers, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you're interested in connecting with us over social media, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our YouTube channel. You can search for Calvary Chapel Fellowship, or you can find us by following the links at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. to worship God, read His Word, and get to know each other better. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Our time with you has officially come to an end, but we're honored you tuned in today to study the Word. Join Pastor Danny next time as he continues teaching through the book of Numbers right here on The Living Word.